Once again, you found your way to The Exchange, presented by Olam Specialty Coffee, hosted by Mark Inman and Todd Mackey. I'm Mike Ferguson. This is the second part of a discussion about the Specialty Coffee Association and features an interview live from the chaos of the show floor with Stephen Morrissey of the SCA. And now, here they are, Mark and Todd. Uh, Todd, what were some of the highlights for you at that show? Any products that jumped out for you or... Or um, any events that you really gravitated towards? What were what were some of the takeaways for you from that? Yeah, no, I mean, to me, there was truthfully there was not so much a, a product takeaway. I mean, to me, it was it was the cathartic uh, side of the experience was how dissonant like such an extravagant show was from a resource standpoint. You know, amidst what is from my tenure, um, you know, the crisis, the pr- coffee price crisis thus far, you know, while I've been in this side of the business. And so, you know, it, truthfully, there was a lot of, um, you know, it was a real dissonant feeling for me. Um, you know, I could not help but shake that, you know, sense of, you know, just what the sort of resource outlay for, for this is. And, and by no means is that a uh, a call out or, you know, saying that, oh man, you know, our industry just has it so wrong. I mean, we need these types of um, forums and, and expos to to build the business and to meet together and to talk about things. And, and there was a lot of really good ways that that was happening. You know, I think the, the RICO symposium, I didn't attend, but my understanding is that it was entirely 100% price focused, um, yeah. you know, But but yeah, I mean, that was really to me, as I look back, even only a few weeks later, that was really the definitive takeaway. Um, There were some some nice products on the floor. I I think I, you know, part of what uh, I experienced was just a a less ability to really engage because uh, of the dynamics that we're facing you know, in the supply chain side of the business, just, you know, the interest level was relatively low, if I'm honest. Um, but, um, but the, the one, uh, you know, element of the show and, and we actually get into this with, uh, in our interview with, uh, with, um, Stephen Morrissey, when we sat down and yeah. we walked the floor was this, co- you know, commons area in the center of the show floor. I, right, I really, right. it was just a feature of the show and we talk about it in detail, so I won't, you know, add to redundancy here, but, but it was just such a nice, um, open space that I felt like did highlight some, you know, issues, uh, specific, uh, to the supply chain price crisis, you know, lots of ways that that was bringing up, um, you know, reflection points, um, in infograph in you know, highlighting quotes and, and just having a space that was really beautiful and engaging and drew people in myself included, um, you know, that to me was one really successful and awesome part of the show itself. All right, here we are at the show floor with Mark and Todd from The Exchange. Hey, everybody. Uh, what, we have a, a guest with us, very special, Stephen Morrissey of the SCA. And let's not uh, forget to mention former World Barista Champion. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, a long time a ago. Of other things. I don't forget anything. 
God, love your memory. Over a decade ago now. Over a decade ago. And it brings us to, I mean, where we should obviously start. I mean, Stephen, how are you brewing coffee these days? Really? We're starting there? I think a much more important question is how did Stephen meet me? That's a red letter day for most people. That's a good one. Yeah. Right. On his first origin trip yeah. in Nicaragua. Right as you were the world champion. Holy hell, really? Yes. Oh, we, I have no idea. We were in the back of a truck together. True. Yes. Wow. I'm so sorry. My first time on a truck? Was at Mark Inman. Is that right? Which is also my first origin trip, which will tell you the kind of cherished life I had growing up. Yeah, it was a, it was a vanilla, you know, youth. But yeah, and I was in a pool swimming in, um, I mean, this, this also speaks again to my first origin trip, was at Rama Cafe. Rama Cafe. So me, by, by me saying I'm in a, I was at a, swimming in a pool at origin, you know, it was, it was that, yeah. Like this is the good life. This is what yeah. champions this get. Is what, this is what origin yeah. is all about. The word wow. privilege comes into play here quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I was there with Ellie, Ellie Hudson, and Rick right. Reinhardt, and I hadn't. Uh, and they said, "Oh, Mark will be here shortly." I said, "Who's Mark?" And they said, "It's Mark Inman." And they, they, had, oh, Mark. They, they had some words to share, and I said, "Oh." And I don't know why I got it in my head, but they were within moments of meeting you. I challenge you to you were giving you were giving the keynote speech at Rama Cafe, which would have been two thousand and eight yeah. in, in Managua. And I challenge you to drop the word onomatopoeia into your speech. And I did it numerous times, multiple times. But it should be it should be pointed out that not with skill. He, he just no. in between sentences was like, and this of course is your whole thing was about how coffee is the foodie bargain of the century. Yes. And you and you kept saying, and this of course. Is another reason that underlines my central point here that coffee is the foodie bargain of the century, onomatopoeia. Uh, the next point I'd like to say, onomatopoeia, is that, and I would, you know, it would almost speak to a slight indifference to the audience at hand, Mark. But they weren't paying attention to me. This is also true. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, the, I'm sure the, our listenership here is, is begging to know, uh, did anyone call you out on this? I mean, who, what no, type of commentary? You no. didn't get any sort of no, feedback. They, no, they may have been more concerned with the one table that was increased there. Well, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, the, the gist of it was, as many uh, conferences go, there's a lot going on during dinners. People are with their friends, they're talking. And so I had really busted my ass on this speech about this is the right time for coffee to be considered a real high culinary product and the pricing can go up and I've like researched the living hell out of this and I'm, I'm pouring my heart out and, and meanwhile throwing in this word and then at the end of the speech like literally nobody was listening except for Stephen and Rick and Ellie and Rick said that was the greatest speech that nobody ever listened to <laughs> nice uh, it was great that's a, a hell of a way to start guys yeah, most of my first nice. hours I remember the time I got in the plane and you and I were on the same Right yes. beside each other down to Columbia. Yes. On like a late night flight out of, yes. out of Houston or something. Yeah. Yes. Way back. Go way back. So back to the question at hand. I mean, how are you making coffee these days? Uh, on a on a SCA certified Bonavita brewer. A Bonavita brewer. Yeah. I'm not quite sure which one it is, but yeah, I have a GS3 and some grinders and all the all the usual things. It's in my brother's design studio and has been for a long time. I'm not using it. Uh, no, I tend to go out for espresso, and I recently really started becoming an espresso drinker again after being someone who, for a long time, would you know who got I, I was very lucky to taste an awful lot of competition espresso all the time, but was never really a big. It would never be the drink I ordered out, and I used to. I don't know. I think just kind of I don't know. Palettes change, preference change. I was in Paris the weekend before last and. My wife and I were kind of like, you know, having a lot of afternoon wine, and suddenly we'd want a coffee at like four or five. And the, that coffee I think you want at four and five is often an espresso. Yeah. More so than another brewed coffee. Yes. Sure. 
Uh, and it also happened to be just generally what was available. I think it also speaks to the lack of brewed coffee because I just moved back from the States to... So I lived in the States for eight years and I just moved back to, um, to London where I used to live 10 years ago. So uh, London is still a very, very dominant espresso culture. So is Paris from the quick trip I just did. And, you know, while you certainly see brewed coffee, you know, in places, it's te- the experience tends to be, do you have brewed coffee? And they turn around and look at a Technoform in a corner or yeah. some home brewer and they go, yeah, yeah, it's in there a bit though. I can make you a new one. Yeah. Or do you want an Americano? Do you want an Americano? Which is not after coming from Chicago. Yeah. yeah. Right. So a brewed coffee is... Doesn't, doesn't stand. Is the norm. Right. It's a, I'm, I'm struggling with that. That's um, all you wanted to ask? No. No, no. no. Well, there's, there's, there's what what coffee I drink? I mean, that's <laughs> uh, you know, it felt like uh, an interesting place to start. I, I was half expecting maybe you'd say, yeah, I haven't drank coffee in years. Oh, uh, no, I no. did that. No, I no. I finished that, but uh, obviously not true. I'm curious. I mean, we're sitting in uh, what is essentially punctuating the center of the show floor. What are you calling uh, this enclave uh, here? And uh, We're calling it the Commons, kind of a nod to the Boston Commons. Which is a new feature to the show. It's a new feature in probably just year. for Boston also because yeah. we don't have the Portland's a smaller, uh, where the show is next year is a smaller uh, building. So we don't have a space as big, but basically we've been... So my role is brand strategy director at SCA, and we're trying to make... There's always been an SCA space at the European show and US show, and the intention is like... We always ask the question of, well, what are we trying to do here? Is it a members area? Is it an area just to kind of promote the activities of SCA? And because we just had, had this opportunity this year with a huge amount of space in the floor, I did a bit of uh, research into kind of like what makes good social spaces work and what it tends to be is having a negative space and basically where you have the equivalent of a town square, a piazza, a plaza, a park, yeah. exactly. So what we're in is a, is a space that's fairly minimally designed, some very kind of rudimentary uh, wooden you know, blocks serving as furniture. Uh, we've got a tree and um, a bunch of plants and then all of the signage is actually... Uh, in, a, in, a, in a pivot from the past it's less inward focusing SDA activity and more outward focusing so we're sitting underneath a, uh, um, a, a chart of the sea prices coffee prices in the last 45 years and there's a quote from someone who attended Barista Camp in the past we have um, you know uh, other charts about the coffee value, inequality in the coffee value chain it's, it's intended to be kind of little nice uh, things to prompt conversation and, and kind of spark new ideas and show kind of what's happening in the industry as opposed to something that might be kind of more like uh, sort of self-involved. Yeah, sure. No, I, I think it's a great addition. I, I'm glad we were able to catch you here because uh, obviously your fingerprints are throughout and it's also, uh, it's interesting. I found that a lot of people have been gravitating here just to have meets and, you know, have a uh, nice conversation. Um, you know, obviously uh, you see it so close. I'm curious, like, do you feel like it's been a success? Are there things that you would adjust? I mean, the general feedback. So the funny part was about eight months ago when we started designing this thing, they're like, what do you want you know, to do here? And I think my, my, I mean, it's also we're around surrounding the areas, our design lab exhibits, which kind of highlight, you know, great design and spaces and branding and packaging and vessels. So I said, when I, and I, I'd been in, we, the show was here in 2005. Yeah. I think it was. No, no, no. 2013. 2013, exactly. Yeah. And so I knew it was just, you had this moment of coming in the escalators and kind of descending into the floor. So I loved the idea of having a massive tree. And I yeah. thought, we're in Massachusetts, <laughs> maple trees. Imagine having a massive maple tree, having maple tastings. How, what a nice 
points of difference that would be what are like a, the heart of the show floor would be this big tree and the sort of the events team who are fantastic were saying like oh we can all you want is a tree fantastic we can figure that out not easy not at yeah, all easy yeah. six months later they're cursing my name trying to find a tree and what we have is an 18 foot tree which is, is great uh, and you're imagining like a 40 foot tree I was imagining a 40 because yeah. you know the ceilings here are probably about 100 feet 150 yeah. feet tall yeah. so you could do it yeah. imagine how great that would look but yeah, I, I think possible. I hope for a redwood you know yeah yeah redwood <laughs> just bring it in here but so anyway it, it, ser- it serves as a nice kind of like uh, you know kind of zen space in the middle and I think cool. I think for the most part I'm, I'm really happy with how it's gone people seem yeah. to like it and just it's hypercharged. I mean, we're we're amid, every table is full. I mean, it's active. It's but at the same time, like tranquil and you know nice uh, for how full the show has been. Which Thanks. sidebar, congratulations. Yeah, it's the busiest show ever. Busiest Rico ever. Busiest Expo ever. What's the number? I mean, do we have? We passed fourteen thousand for the first time. Oh, no the kidding. Expo. That's incredible. Yeah, and probably still on the rise right now. In Boston. Yeah. That says it's incredible. A lot. Um, yeah, we, were, we weren't sure if we were going to. We weren't sure based off, you know, because we know Boston's an expensive city. Yeah. You know, and it's probably close Especially with the uh, marathon. Yeah, so yeah. And, and as many people maybe don't know, these things are booked many, many years in advance. Yes. It's not like we decided last year to do it. It's, it's, we were booked through to 2024, I think, now. Mm. All right. So, um, it's, it's, and it's back in Boston in a couple of years. Oh, okay. It, I think it goes Portland next year, then New Orleans, New Orleans. then back to Portland, then Boston, then Chicago. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Which may be just announced. That might be me. I don't. I don't think you've announced Chicago, but it's Chicago. We've okay. announced it now. We have an exclusive. Look, we have a scoop. Oh my God! It's a red letter day for our show. <laughs> Numbers are about to spike. Wow! This might be our highest-rated podcast ever. I, I cannot wait for this to air. What? Um. Yeah. I guess. All I would, I mean, rap with. Uh, yeah. To, I'm sure you have to move on, but uh, no. Uh, <laughs> The, I'm just curious, you know, from where you sit in, in SCA, uh, you know, with lots of focus, um, not to get into a conversation on coffee pricing, but as that sure. has been sort of a monumental shift with Rick uh, refocusing on, you know, the coffee price yeah. crisis. Yes. Um, you know, seeing, uh, you know, that as a colored Rico, also seeing, you know, uh, all sorts of other dynamics, uh, you know, shifting within the market, you know, anything coming down the pipe from the association that you feel like um, you'd want to share with uh, our followership here? Or? I think the main thing we're, we're going to be trying to do is with the, like, there's a lot of humility around the coffee price crisis, you know, response that we're not going to fix this in a week, right. you know, that the, the scale of the problem and that so much of what we're trying to do is map the problem and engage all the stakeholders and, and just try to build some consensus. And I think, yeah, and, and I think the most immediate piece we have to do is, 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 Push it up to the push it up to the agenda. So you know, talk about it with the same level of, of kind of um, uh, both uh, passion and urgency as we might about competition results. Because I think if you look back at our general output, it, it, it's not as prevalent as maybe it should have been. And I think that that's been the kind of turning point for us in saying, you know, we say it's important, but our output maybe betrays that in some way because here we are still talking about you know the next event coming up around the corner or a competition result which are all important and deserving of being of, of, of mention but I think what we're going to try to do is, is both uh, push you know force the narrative a little bit more among, amongst our channels and at our events and then also um, amplify a lot more where we can so knowing that there's going to be lots of other players in this who are who are you know Having the right conversations, doing uh, taking the next steps to kind of um, 
you know, bring people together to, to, to address it. And again, like I'm saying, like we're sitting underneath the, the 45-year historical chart and there's the various kind of graphics around here in the Commons trying to do that. This is actually probably a good example of exactly what you're going to see in terms of our... Making sure the consistency is there. Yes, but yeah. it's, and it's, it's central to the narrative, not just an afterthought. Absolutely. Very cool. Awesome. Mark, anything uh, from your side? I apologize. I've been uh, rapping. No, that's fine. It's absolutely good. Steven, if we're going to talk about how he's... Tonight, he's in a very nice outfit. He's got a, a knit sweater on with a... Except in Paris, but it looks like he is a, like a deckhand on a sailing vessel. So, like, he's, uh, I don't know, ready to... Hoist the sails and. This is a face for radio right here, so I no, 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 it, it all works. You You're always <laughs> impeccably dressed every time I see you, sir, and it's always yeah. impressive to see you. So, yes, comes up, means a lot to you. <laughs> no, super appreciate you taking yes. the time amidst yeah, a very busy weekend. Congratulations on success. You're always, uh, you know, awesome to grab a few moments with, and we're so excited to share that with. Any uh, any predictions of who's going to win the WBC today? Oh, Give us thought. I don't know. South Korea seems like one of the most kind of innovative, charming performances. But, you know, the uh, we've all learned many times that optics aren't the only part of this. Right. And so right. it's also what's in the cup. So I think what we'll see. Excellent. Very cool. Good. Well, thank you very much. Not a great time to be a, a coffee grower. The issues around price and the market and coffee in general are incredibly complicated and there is no real easy answer i think as rico ultimately you know came to that conclusion as well is that there are a lot of great ideas but to solve the problem you know in total it is a very very uh, large uh, issue that has many many uh, facets to it so yeah at our booth it was a lot of uh, producers trying to find a connection and that um you know, juxtaposed to something like the La Marzocco booth, which just seemed like the hottest booth I've ever seen with the new ergonomic uh, espresso machine they were debuting and just the overall buzz that that company continues to maintain. Uh, it, it It was interesting to see that juxtaposition, this enthusiasm around tech and, you know, espresso machines now are pushing $25,000, $30,000 you know, a machine, and then, you know, you you juxtapose that with a 90, you know, two cent coffee market. And it's uh, hard to wrap your head around uh, sometimes. Uh, But that being said, on from the the equipment innovation side, there was a lot going on at that show. Um, You know, cold brew continues to be a big focus with, uh, you know, brewing equipment, you know, large kind of industrial brewing equipment being for sale. The new Loring seven kilo roaster I saw that debuted is incredible uh, looking machine just well well put together and another home run for that company again the La Marzocco I, I'm not sure what the model number is it the FB70 is that the the ergonomic machine do you know off the top of your head no no it's the, the you're talking about the new uh, Kent Bakke machine yeah, yeah with the port filters shoot in forward and, and click in the place yeah yeah no I mean the the usability I mean the the, the user experience of that machine is is just bonkers yeah I mean, it's it's awesome it was crazy um but but yeah i mean there's there's a tremendous amount of investment in new equipment i mean i, I can't recall i mean we saw that uh uh that by the cup brewer what was the the booth we swung through together after a couple of interviews i can't recall the the name it's just in prototype um but that i mean that single cup brewer that i think you said selling for something like sixty thousand dollars um in its prototype form. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Recall. Yeah. I don't. 
like that's What was the name of that machine? Me. It was it was it's uh was it tree line or I can't remember. It sounds familiar. We'll have to look it up and have it was uh, an, and, it was and, a, and, an incredible machine. We you and I watched the demo of it. I don't think we recorded anything. I mean, I think we were just more of an awe watching it, but um a really crazy machine. Um, it it brews to these unlimited crazy parameters that you know each that at that point they had ex world champion uh, baristas and Brewers Cup people uploading their profiles and you were able to taste coffee as they would want it done. Um, I thought it was it was still in prototype stage, but just amazing what it was able to do. I don't quite you know outside of the vending application, I don't quite get where you would use this. I mean, I guess you could use it in a cafe, but <clears throat> it seems somewhat tailor made for a vending machine application like you would see in, in Tokyo. Um, and then right across that, um, uh, Breville uh, had uh, some a super automatic for the home, a prosumer machine that uh, I was uh, along with one of the judges for the new best product award they do at the show and did a demo with them uh, there on that machine. And it, you know, I'm usually super automatic. So I'm kind of like, yeah, you know, it's, it's perfectly adequate and that's about it. It actually did a fantastic job. And the, the price point retail was like $800. It was some unreal bargain for a machine that did a very, very, good job at making uh, steaming milk uh, automatically um, that would allow you to pour latte art right away and it did microfoam quite well the shot quality was fantastic uh, I mean they just nailed it nice yeah no I didn't uh, I didn't get through there but yeah I think it's um, it'll be interesting to see where equipment does drive uh, you know uh retail to go and in, in the way of like you know super primo uh vending you know, you know certainly there's office applications that yeah. uh, you know roasters will want to push this type of equipment towards i mean certainly to have a, an accessibly priced or more so accessibly priced you know really top end home type of machine you know um it'd be awesome you know if, if everybody who wanted to could afford you know the uh gs3 or sure. a, a linea mini but sure. you know that's just not realistic so you know seeing how those things will change specialty coffee you know on the consuming side is is certainly really interesting but well i think for them it's also um, the challenge there i mean i have a, a, a lot of friends who have you know serious pro setups in their home kitchen where they've invested in the neighborhood of ten thousand dollars for an espresso setup and then they um you know, that's that's one type of consumer. And then you have the sea of people that have been using Nespresso pods. That's very clean, convenient, easy. It's not the best shot in the world, and it's not nearly the worst shot in the world. And for the espresso machine manufacturers, they're scrambling to to compete with that. And something like what I saw from Breville uh, to do, you know, coffee shop quality espresso drinks automatically where you don't have a big you know a tamper and a scale and grounds all over your counter and all of that it was actually quite impressive how that turned out also a lot of uh home roasters machines i saw there a lot of a lot of prosumer consumer goods which is not kind of what i expected to see at this show because it's usually more industry focused but there seems to be a shifting tide. I don't know if you're just having a lot of micro micro roasters on the scene, if that's where that's coming from, but 
it seemed, you know, a good chunk of that seemed like a consumer-oriented show, which I was uh, a little bit taken aback by. For sure. Yeah, I could totally see where the appeal, given how uh, increasingly fragmented the roaster side of the business is becoming, you know, where that type of that type of business is looking to, to essentially create distribution relationships with micro roasters, you know, who in turn have the same type of uh, interest in pushing out products like that to uh, to engage their customers. But it's funny, Mark, you're all over this Breville machine. I mean, I thought you had a, a relationship in place with uh, was it the the Ninja machine? Oh, Coffee Ninja. <laughs> what? What's going on? Uh, I mean, is the is the non compete up? The, or, yeah, I mean, the non compete up. Something we should know about this. You know, it's actually funny that you mentioned that because Nick Cho, who was on that commercial with me, we did a uh, an infomercial for the Ninja Coffee Brewer, and this we got this gig out of the Dallas Coffee Fest show. Nick and I got this thing, and Nick actually went back to have them use us again <laughs> recently. <laughs> lobbied them, and uh they politely declined um so yeah so yeah so you're free I'm you're free, free to explore new yeah anybody out there that has a cutting edge <laughs> uh, coffee brewer that wants a, a spokesperson uh yeah i'm taking applications or, or willing to sit down with you uh as well uh, i'm sure as todd you know would be willing to do that but no yeah Breville no, doesn't I, need me the, they've the, got the, it going on themselves They're, they do quite well on their own i just you know to me i love I just think there's a lot of interesting stuff happening in the home uh, brewing market, whether it's espresso or brewers themselves. And uh, that one actually uh, really impressed me, as well as the Aikawa booth. That was just another packed booth, uh, a small sample roaster uh, that it seems like a lot of industry people are using which I to me it still feels like it's too small, but I I know a lot of even import companies that use these uh, roasters, but super cool, very slick, well made, uh, small roaster. I think it does 200 grams, I believe. I might be incorrect about that. Even even down well well down from there. I oh, mean, no, 50 okay. gram batch. 50 and, grams. And yeah, yeah. Wow. I mean, you're you know the 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 beauty of the Akawa is is just the ease of use again where you can multitask and essentially you're you're programming it by tablet and um, you know you have the issues and the shortfalls of an air roaster like any other air roaster yeah and it, you know but but uh, you know where where you know Loring is increasingly gaining market share in the small roaster space yeah. Um, you know, and you have what is essentially an air roaster, tangential, you know, air driven roaster in, in a Loring, you know, these are really, I think, you know, when you're targeting like a, a sort of light roast, like low, uh, development percentage type of profile with a Loring, this is actually a pretty good pairing for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, even if you are kind of, uh, you know, sensitive to some of the, the the potential roasting challenges or, or outcomes in the cup that 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 type of a roaster that that type of heat transfer I should say more accurately presents you know you can still cup around and and really uh, you know kind of manipulate it to to do the job right but I think it's the the interesting thing is their uh, their home version which is coming in at a lower price point it was a little less uh, I guess durable is not the thing to say, but just like in terms of materials, kind of the same way that a Barazza has, you know, grinders that vary in their, 
their construction in terms of their, you know, shroud materials all the way to, mm-hmm. you know, the burr set. Yeah. You kind of are starting to see those uh, machines come closer and closer to the 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 prosumer or the, you know, the kind of like home enthusiast, which, uh, you know, it would be cool. And I think that, you know, SCA, the association would be, uh, you know, super excited to to see the show continue to engage more and more of that uh attendee you know because that definitely has not been the case historically yeah crazy man well hey i am i am out of chamomile tea uh, (laughs) and long long overdue for more my voice is starting to go gravelly i i'm fearing we're we're gonna sound more and more like our sca selves as uh Mike cuts us in, but, um, yeah, I mean, I guess just like to, to kind of put uh, more of a period on our, the sentence of our discussion here yeah. of the show, I mean, any last remarks or takeaways, things you're looking forward to seeing unfold in the year ahead, um, you know, things or resolutions that you're taking away in terms of your own involvement with the association or ways you Moving want to engage in the future? the future of that association. Yeah. Anything, uh, working with committees again, I, I you know, the next year I'm going to start uh, speaking. I took a year off last year or this year of presenting at the event. I'm going to present again next year, or at least propose that and see if they pick me up. Um, I'm going to compete uh, again. I want to go. I've done the cup tasters. Uh, is this a commitment? Yeah, is this, yeah, no, is this abso- a verbal commitment. It's a verbal commitment. Uh, I am. <laughs> You know, Rocky Five when he came back, he was like 70 years old and fought again. I'm going to be that guy. Uh, uh, Want to go compete in the Cup Tasters again, which to me is one of my favorite competitions there to watch as well as to participate in. And if you are a cupper out there listening and you have never done this competition, by all means do it. It is one of the, um, you're cupping against your peers, a great group of people. It is personally challenging. It's personally rewarding. Whether, however, you you know do in that competition, it's an uh, something that I will never forget that I did, and I want to do it again. So I'm going to compete next year, um, and speak again, and uh, and then yeah, continuing to work on uh, pricing stuff. You know, we're working on it at, at this company at Olam, uh, how to address the pricing crisis. But I think that there needs to be many minds uh, working on this idea. Um, so as committees come up or, or, or task force, you know, I certainly would like to be involved if that opportunity presents itself. And how about for you, sir? Awesome. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think where, where you finished is, is where my mind is at most. I mean, I, I, I am fresh coming off of a long commitment with uh, the Barista Guild and, and having served on the board. Uh, and and I'd, I'd be uh, lying if there wasn't, um, you know, a, uh, a bit of fatigue just in, in trying to, you know, catch breath and, and refocus and, and just kind of have a strong sense of, of really where I feel most valuable. I, I, you know, the thing that, that gives me great joy is to see just a growing diversity and, and skill set uh, sort of range within the folks that are leading the new association. And, and I just couldn't be more excited at, um, you know, who has their hands on the wheel. And, Absolutely. and so, you know, with that in mind, I think, um, you know, I'd 
I'm so excited to see, you know, how the board um, and, you know, has, has put a new initiative in place. And, and Rick uh, Reinhardt, the, the past executive director, is now taking over, uh, you know, SCA's uh, official response and, and support and activity, um, you know, as uh, not just as the association, but also as a, a member of the wider community uh, in response to the, pr- the price crisis. So, you know, certainly to be involved in these discussions and, and out, uh, you know, outcomes, actions that come out of this um, would be awesome. Uh, I think, uh, you know, there's a uh, a lot uh, that's coming down the pipe in the way of the U.S. chapter. And I think, to be honest, you know, the the biggest challenge the association faces is to be meaningful locally. And, um, you know, I think that this is a great step in the right direction to have, um, you know, uh, have this side of things organized and to, to turn out and, you know, for folks who are interested in volunteering. I mean, I think, you know, the, the coolest thing about a member driven, uh, organization is that, you know, where you are, there it is. And, you know, that degree of, uh, enterprise is really what's made the SCAA special in the past and what will make the SCA special in the future. Um, and so I think that, you know, I'm, I'm sure I speak for a lot of the, the folks volunteering on the chapter and saying, you know, they would love to hear from, uh, from you, um, you know, to just kind of like uh, pick up projects and get involved and start uh, sponsoring activity on the local side. And I think sure. that's where my head is at most. So, you know, I'm excited for, um, you know, hopeful and excited that there will be a lot of hard work on the supply chain side around coffee pricing that that this time next year when we're meeting in Portland that that we can all kind of rally around and 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 not only cite uh action but um you know kind of measure uh success or or failure of of projects or initiatives I think also um you know to just um you know go in with more lead time uh and and really say um, with full steam, you know, hey, this is this is going to be, uh, you know, a rallying point, if not uh, something to compound with with traction that's already happening on that side. But, um, you know, I certainly for my involvement want to be involved, um, you know, in stuff like that and, and forwarding those conversations. So um, that's where I'm at. But, that's uh, great. Yeah. Hard, hard to imagine uh, another year has gone by uh, for the SCA show. Yeah. I, it's, it's, uh, sneaks up so fast and, um, you know, but, but certainly want to, uh, before we wrap, just send a, a tremendous amount of thanks to the SCA staff and all of the volunteers that make the show possible Absolutely. And, and so special yeah. because it is unbelievable uh the number of moving parts um you know having spent a lot of time on the inside and and i just think that you know we should collect uh you know kind of tip the collective hat if you will um to everyone who's working full-time to make that thing absolutely yeah absolutely every year uh the staff does an amazing job they are worked to death you know you see them on sunday and they are just frazzled and they still have another solid day to go and then meetings the next day and they you know how they do it year in year out has always amazed me and as you know todd from working within the association uh it's unbelievable the work that these folks take on every year and they do it with a smile and they are so dedicated to the membership and they are so kind to everybody that they interact with and it's um it's always very humbling to be around them Finally, though, I wanted to give a personal um, thank you to Rick Reinhardt 
who I, you know, I, going back a little bit here, I was on the board of directors uh, during the uh, embezzlement that put the association into receivership. We were inches away from complete and utter collapse. And uh, Rick was a member at the time, a member like myself. He was a roaster, um, a board member, and he um, uh, became the executive director and took an association that was on the brink of absolute collapse and literally saved us and built us to the 14,000 attendees you know, show that we see today. The merger, you know, positive or negative, whether you love it or not, he took it global, expanding the guilds, expanding um, certifications and education opportunities and uh, accreditation programs. He helped uh, steer the association into a, a quite successful business model. And I don't think, um, you know, I can thank him enough for what he has done in this past You have been listening to The Exchange, presented by Owen Specialty Coffee, hosted by Mark Inman and Todd Mackey, directed by Mike Ferguson. Our opening theme was Put Me Something Warm in My Cup by Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Our closing theme, Something Brewing by Coin Locker Kid. All music is used under Creative Commons. Remember, you can email us at theexchange at olamnet.com. We'll see you in two weeks for our next episode, The Coffee Roaster and Retailing. And now, your postscript. But first, onomatopoeia. I had another inappropriate story I was going to tell, but I just I said that's going to end up on the cutting room floor, so I'm not going to get into that one.